Welcome to another episode of Crew 3 Podcast. Of course, now sponsored by our wonderful folks at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Please, if you could support us, think about it. And with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. How's it going? So we had a lot of spoilers last week, and we're gonna, we got plenty more to talk about. So this week, we're going to do a quick little bit of uh, a Pioneer format retrospective from that sort of 21 forward. Uh, we're going to go over the last few cards that we didn't necessarily talk about. Then we're going to go into uh, – we're going to draft our top picks of the set, um, whether or not they're, they're in Pioneer or not. I've sort of – I think you can make arguments for a lot of the cards we're going to pick to actually potentially show up in Pioneer, right? Um, and then if we – time willing, we'll do a dozen slap, but we'll see if we get there. Uh, gentlemen, how was your week? Did you play some Magic? Yeah, we I played a little it. Magic. <clears throat> go ahead, Ricky. I played in the uh... – Invitational qualifier. That's right. You know, I picked the right deck. What format was that? It was historic. Right. I played uh, Mono Black Godfarer's Gift because I was afraid of the goblins. Right. And I played three goblins uh, decks the first three rounds and beat all of them. Nice. And then, uh, you know, after five wins, the we- the wheels fell off. As they sometimes do. Uh, we saw a lot of rest in pieces. And... Uh, and my deck uh, rested in peace. Yeah. That and card's so, not very uh, good for your, your Godfarrow's Gift deck. I was expecting more Grafdigger's Cage, which does not stop Godfarrow's Gift. Fun fact, I played Grafdigger's Cage in my own sideboard. Right. That's one of the big arguments for that deck, is you stop the other nonsense graveyard decks, like the right. Rakdos Pyromancer, for example. Yeah. That was a pretty decent matchup, too. Um, but uh, And Jun Sacrifice. Oh, that was a joke of a matchup. That was great. That felt really good. Like Massacre Worm just shuts that deck off. So Massacre Worm is a good magic card. It does not beat Teferi. What does? No, it does not. It does, Massacre Worm does not beat Teferi. You're it right. It also does not beat Voracious Great Shark in my last round. I got beat by Blue Green Flash. Um, uh, good for that guy. I hope he went so, all the way. I'm going to be real. Because of how weird the historic legality is, I forget that uh, Massacre Worm was in the core set and not from like a random anthology. So like there, there I was like, I was looking at some decks. I was like, ah, oh, Massacre Worm Pioneer. Wait, is that legal? Oh, that's a core set card, not a dumb anthology card. Yeah, for real. Who's to say what's legal in Historic? Nobody knows. But yeah, it is. It is sometimes like what cards, <laughs> what cards do cross over? And yeah, I remember that was printed in a core set recently. So yeah. Uh, and of course, Chris and I, we had another sort of community pickup event of Historic, uh, tying to Ricky's conversation. Uh, we t- tried out, instead of using MG Melee, we tried out the MG Companion app, which worked great, honestly. Um, so expect as we go forward some more um, slightly casual pickup events, not like our monthly webcam event. Expect just some, just, I'm going to be in the Discord saying, hey, Historic Pioneer Standard in an hour, let's go. Here's the Here's the code to join the room. Yeah, I don't I don't mind setting them up either, like um, as a way to, you know, I know we've got our monthly thing and that's just going to be like a, a more informal when we have time. But uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, the, the user experience is pretty decent. It shows you your opponent's username so you can challenge them. It doesn't have a whole lot of fancy features, but it's it's simple. And that's, I guess, what you can ask for, right? Like simple yields too effective. Sometimes you try to make things overcomplicated. They don't, they don't work as well. So this does what it's supposed to do. And yeah, we, we had a lot of fun playing. We got to play against some really cool people in the community and we jumped in Discord to get to talk to people as we were playing and again, talk through our plays. So I played against a God Pharaoh's Gift Mono Black as um, uh, as the Rakdos Pyromancer deck and got pretty lucky. I got pretty lucky. They didn't draw a Massacre Worm, which would have ended my, ended my life. So got to play against some really cool people and it was nice meeting some more people from our, our discord and getting to play against them so yeah had a lot of fun yeah i um like that was a good I, time. Pr- I proved uro isn't a broken magic card uh we went 0 and 3 right. playing an uro pile so clearly uro isn't broken um, what were your other you know. just out of interest real quick Ruckman, what were the other cards besides uro in your deck now i know they don't matter but just because um, what were the other cards in your deck there well you see we we took mono red burn and uh-huh. then we got rid of the light at the stages, right? And the um, grim lava mansions because we need the cards in our graveyard for our Uros. Right. And then we played Uro and some Chandra's incinerators. Nice, nice. So it was that was your only non-red card in the deck, is what you're saying? Was the Uro? 
<laughs> was her. Yes. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I understand. All right. Clearly, clearly that just shows the cards just. Uh, I. Weak you sauce. know, I. I just don't think the matchups were there. It was a bad matchup night for me. Uh, essentially, everyone I played had I felt scavenging ooze. Uh, mm-hmm. And then my, definitely my first round, I drew zero non-lands both the games we played. So uh-huh. fair. Uh, the, fair. The, 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 bur- the, the bur- Uro burn deck really flooded out there. So I don't know if that's a, a sign of just how bad Uro is or the fact that maybe Uro Pile being a burn deck, that's a bad version of Uro Pile. So clearly right. Uro not as broken as we think it is. Yeah. Yeah, clearly, clearly fine uh, as proved by that totally 100% real scientific experiment backed by the CDC. So there we go. I'm not saying expect any future historic pickup events going forward to just me throwing Uro in a random deck, but <laughs> it was kind of fun and dumb. So expect me to show up with another deck that I just took out some cards and put four Uros in and totally just trash the mana base of. I think you, I think you made a people laugh, which was like the winning of the night. I think everybody was like entertained. They could tell it was like for a fun thing, which got everybody to relax. Like my opponents were talkative. They were having fun. And really, again, I think that yields to a, a better play experience when, again, you're talking through your plays, learning from the experience, because hopefully we can, you know, get everybody uh, talking through and, and having a good time. So I, I thought well, it was well, awesome. It, it was, it. it was great. I called the deck burn surprise and luckily Str- chat knew what it was going in, but hearing my opponent's mm-hmm. reactions when they're like, Oh, okay. Steam vent. Sure. So you're playing red blue. And then you right. hit them with the, um, the stopping around like, Oh, so you're teamer. Okay. Interesting. What are you splashing for? And then you're Earl. Yeah. 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 Earl, and we're going to put a Ramanop ruins into play. The, the real problem with playing burn with arrow was it'd be like turn four. And my opponents were still at 15 because I played three arrows. Right, right, right. Your burn deck wasn't as burny as you needed it to be. More it's Uro, less burn. Yeah. Per- pretty much, yeah. Fair enough. All right, all right. Uh, any other magic experiences from the week? No, not really. I was just playing a little bit more limited, trying to finish up my core set 21 um, collection and just grind mm. a few more wild cards out. Yep, makes sense to me. I'm uh, I'm getting excited for the new set to come out, so I'm saving up some uh, some coins for some drafts there. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's kick on over to our sort of wrap-up on the Core Set 21 Pioneer meta, right? Obviously, in the middle of the meta, we had the big shakeup with them finally banning essentially all the combo decks in the format, uh, which totally which totally changed things. Because I would say before that happened, there's no real change in the meta, right? It was pretty much the same decks we've been used to seeing in Pioneer. And then after that big banless shakeup, um, we saw a lot more decks come into prominence. We saw the return of some strategies. So right now, if we look at the 14-day, and I'm considering this is like the sort of last week of this format, right? Uh, because technically, I think everything becomes legal this weekend, if I'm right. I it's it's weird now. Pre-release is weird because, you know, you can out buy all the product now, but it's not legal until next week. It's weird, right? Um, but this I think it doesn't matter. This weekend, is it? Yeah, it is. Like we could swing by an LGS and like go, yo, can you deliver us some some pre-release right now? Well, if your LGS has them. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Because, you know, they, they announced – and it makes sense. You know, I, I'm a little disappointed. I, I, I get people being mad with the fact that, hey, there's supply issues. Um, you know, I think it was very clear. I think it was, should have been clear early on this was going to be an issue and this should have been – uh, more public information earlier on. I feel like that's the issue. That's the real reason to get upset about the announcement being the week of pre-release or the week before it happening and saying, hey, there's going to be product shortages. So I, I think it's something that people could have should have expected to happen, but the the lack of communication on it kind of burned people and rubbed people the wrong way. So, you know, that it's, it's a bad situation and definitely I think goes to show that sometimes they aren't the best with communication – but at the same time, like, it's kind of to be expected at this point. All right. So what is – all right. Let's, let's cover the Pioneer meta real quick and we'll have a quick little diatribe on that. Uh, so if you look at our current 14-day breakdown, we have Azorius Control, Jun Sacrifice, Lotus Combo, Mono Red Aggro, Jeskai Luka, Mono Green Planeswalkers. That's a, that's a big drop from last time we covered the meta. Orzhov Auras, Niv to Light, Esper Control, Rakdos Pyromancer – Mono Black Aggro, Wilderness Reclamation. So again, we kind of broke, you kind of split us uh, in the middle of, of covering this, right? So the format was really the, what we've been used to. 
inside of uh, the Demir and Vern, all that kind of stuff that we come to we've come to know over the months before the August bans. Uh, so if you think about where the August ban list sort of put the Pioneer meta game to now, what do you guys think? Do we do we have is Pioneer sweet now? Is it is it like is it a meta? Is it feel like an open format? What do you guys think? I want to hear Ricky's thoughts on it. Lotus combo plays Niv Mizzet and peer into the abyss. Now this format is sweet. Okay. <laughs> like the literal deck that I hated to see the most is now like one of the funnest decks in my opinion ever. Like this Lotus combo deck is so cool. And it kind of, it's, it reminds me a little bit. I feel like we're starting to get to that modern point of like, they're kind of being like eight to 10 decks you could show up with and it kind of expect to see, right. And it's just going to come down to what matchups were you prepared for. So I think there is, which is good. Like there's clearly, there is like a a good deck right now that kind of takes a couple of weeks and then eventually something comes up to take it out of the throne. So like Monogreen Planeswalkers is up there and then it slowly dropped back down. Now we've got Wilderness Wreck at the top, which right now feels like it's a little hard to dethrone just because of the power of Uro and Freeman and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, but there is a clear shifting meta where again, things are going up then going down. It's pretty diverse. I feel like, while you still can't really get away with playing whatever, it still feels like a format where if we like we always preach, if you have a focused deck pl- game plan, if you kind of go in uh, looking to prey on at least a couple of these matchups, you're going to do good in an event. Yeah, I, I just think all it takes is an aggro deck that can handle like the Uro type stuff, which is one thing I don't think Mono Black does particularly well, because obviously it's attacking via like Thoughtseize and hand disruption and whatnot. So with that being said, if there's an aggro deck that's going to come in and be able to handle Uro reasonably well, whatever that may be, I think you've got a really balanced metagame. I think it's fine the way it is now, but um, you know, I, I think it doesn't take a whole lot to stop the Uro train, if that makes sense. How? how I woke up this morning. Okay. And uh, I tripped, fell down the stairs, hit my head, but I saw a vision. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all the stars aligned. Are the stairs okay? Uh, no, we need new ones. <laughs> okay. Um, but, did, you, uh, did you land on the bird? The uh, no, of course not. <laughs> it flies. Um, I uh, you know, the Zendikar uh, PT is fed in through September and October and last month, August. Okay. And all of that stuff is standard now. It's not historic anymore. And okay. pioneers come into arena in November with Pioneer Masters, right? November. Right, yeah. Hopefully. Oro's gone by Thanksgiving. I think so, too. I was about to say. We are how all many more feasting months on Oro this, this year for Thanksgiving at home. Say that again, Ricky. I think that if we can... It, I think Oro has a lifespan of September and October, and that by Black Friday, Oro is gone in both Pioneer and Standard. What about Modern? Um, That's not on Arena. Sure, you're right. You know, I I am really I don't even think Earl's going to make it in November. At least in standard, we'll see. We'll have to see with Pioneer. You know, we'll have to we'll have to complain for like four months before it happens on on Pioneer. But I don't think Earl makes that out of October in standard. I think that uh, all the Oro bands are going to happen at the same time, and they're all going to happen in November, pretty close to the release of Pioneer Masters. Okay, mark your calendars, folks. You're- yeah, you're, you're calling the ban out. I, I think that definitely could be the case. I think that uh, I'd be interested to just see, like with Historic getting a big event this past weekend, we saw some pretty diverse decks come out, right? Like not all of them did super well, but a lot of people chose to play different things. And like the most popular deck didn't end up making it much into the top eight because it was so targeted. So I just think like, hey, if you're going to come, you know, plan the best deck, plan these Euros, I think that there's decks that can potentially target it. Or, you know, if not, it gets banned. But, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see like a really big pioneer event where people are really trying to push it, where there's something on the line. Where people are going to go, great. I know there's going to be a lot of Uro decks. I'm going to find something that can take out Uro. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I think we'll get a, a, a more healthy metagame. But the metagame is fine as it is, right? We don't have anything over 20% unless I'm wrong on what Reclamation is. No, right Wil- Wilderness Wreck is like 12, which is still less than like yeah. what Demir Inverter was pulling. That's a healthy like, game. Here, here's my thing, right? You know, I still don't like playing against Teferi. I still like playing Uro. I think Uro is probably a little more egregiously powerful than Teferi. Um, but, you know, where the meta is, like I said, I think 
it's great that we we've seen rise and falls and decks and strategies, um, which feels like a real format. Unlike when it was just, how's your Demir Inverter matchup? Oh, you're just playing Demir Inverter. Sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nope. Makes sense to me. Uh, any other thoughts before you guys want to move on to last couple spoilers? No, I think the format's sweet. I can't wait for the next webcam event where I can win again. <laughs> That's a not call out. People. If you're not, if you're not part of the discord, please join it now so we can dethrone Ricky. Who's this guy thinking is Johnny Hammersticks? Tommy Noble. Tommy Noble. Huh? All right. So let's talk Zend- jokes. Let's uh, let's talk Zendikar cards. You know, or what? What haven't we covered that you guys feel like is poignant to talk about before we do our little draft here? Um, I misread a card. Okay. And I reread a card, and I now think that Valakut Exploration is like super sleeper hit. Okay, which one's that again? Uh, so Valakid Exploration is a three-mana enchantment that has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled, but at the beginning of your end step, if there are any cards exiled, you put them back in your yard and then deal that much damage to your opponent. Woo! That's... Uh, so this card... This card is like... I don't know why. I, I thought it was like a Chandra Plus. I thought like it was Landfall, play this card or deal the damage to my opponent. Yeah. But like, I can crack a Fabled Passage or I can Growth Spiral on my opponent's turn. A land comes into play and now I have an option for my next turn. Because I have until my end step to cast that card. And if I don't want to cast or play that card on my turn, I can just let it convert to damage. Um, So this card is like, I think very very good card advantage in red. Can it we can we three. build scape shift with this? It costs three instead of four. Well, we uh, I don't know about scape shift, but like I definitely know like this just like literally lets us like convert land drops into damage at the very worst, right? Would you play this over like an epic experiment in the board? Uh, like experimental frenzy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the right deck, yes. Okay. I think this card is very good. Like in a in a more land in a green based deck, I think yes. Sure. I think this card is very good. Um like I'm so happy Fields of the Dead is gone and dead in our format. because uh, man, this card is very good and I misread it. I thought it was bad, but it is good. Oh, there are so many cards in this set, like Ancient of Green Ancient Green Warden with Field of the Dead would just be disgusting. It comes Ancient Green Warden, four green green for a five seven element with reach. You may play a lance from your graveyard. If land in the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent, you control the trigger. It triggers again. Wow. The and triggers. I do want to quickly go over a rules thing. Okay, what you got? You know that the that double-faced modal cards are different from double-faced cards? Yes. Um, so, for example, if you have a Delver of Secrets in play, mm-hmm. and it turns into an... Uh, Abherent something three two abjuration. four right mm-hmm. aberration. Uh, the abherent adjuration when it came out in Innistrad was a CMC zero, mm-hmm. and then when we Correct. returned to Innistrad, they changed the rule so that you always have the CMC of the front far, front facing card. Okay, mm-hmm. so that would make um, to, uh, abherent aberration have a CMC of one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, all these land cards are spells on the front. So. Yes. Do they have a converted mana cost when they are in play as lands? Um, I would and have to go read the, the answer rules. is no. No, I, I was going to say, I, I it, 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 it makes sense to me, no. They, because they're treating them as separate cards in this and not another version of the same card. If that right. makes sense. They are not treated, the double-faced modal cards are not treated in the same way as the regular double-faced cards. Yeah. So they are not going to be the same CMC on both sides. And like, uh, does it matter? Which is a, an interesting question. But like people were starting to talk about like, especially the mythic lands, mm-hmm. especially Seagate Restoration uh, being a land that gave you three blue devotion because it had the, uh, the sure, blue converted sure. mana cost. That is not how that works. Yeah, they, they <laughs> well, should have left it alone be... the first time. I get for some cards, it's like, you know, it can be stolen or some kind of small feels bad, but they outthought themselves. They outthought them. Well, outthought themselves on this one, in my opinion. So just important note, uh, the card is always the front face card when it's in like hand and yard. 
and when it's in play, it does not it is not a land with a CMC. Cool. Um, That's been said. We can move on. Okay. Uh, I don't think this card. Is... Okay. I'm not gonna say I think this card is bad. Can we talk about the crab? Yeah, I, I think the crab is totally fine. Cherix the Raging Isle, two blue blue Leviathan crab, zero seventeen. Spells your opponent's controls, cast that target Cherix the Raging Isle, costs two more to cast for three generic mana. It gets plus X, minus X, X the number of islands you control. So obviously get your assault formations, get your high alerts, um, get your, uh, the ninja that makes unable to block creatures' power two or less. Mm-hmm. Tatsumi or Tatsuma or something like that? Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to lose to this when I'm not paying attention. <laughs> It uh, it dies to push. Uh, you can still push this crab. It costs a little extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's already a, a blue white auras uh, toughness matters deck out there. So mm-hmm. well, we did just get like a solid footing. Yeah, in Ikoria, which is a one man enchantment that lets you uh, have vigilance and deal damage with your toughness. Yep. Uh, so like, I'm not saying it's not there. Uh, as the man who made classification work. Uh, yeah. somebody's going to do something with this and it might just be a commander table and it might be uh, on a pro tour table, uh, but it's going to happen somewhere. Someone's going to get, uh, get got by the big crab combo Deku. Oh man. Uh, Chris, you got anything? Uh, you know, honestly, not really uh, that we haven't already talked about. Um, I did want to point out, um, I do not like that. The inscription cycle is not completed. <laughs> yeah. I will talk about being a little disappointed at the I thought the green guy was going to be a part of a cycle that was um, also a cleric rogue warrior. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to see that in more colors. Sure. Um, other than just the one. I don't like that's yeah. just a weird just kind of sitting out there. Uh, there's like another one, but they're all in green. There's like one or two more, but they're all in green. Gotcha. Also, I'd like to say I'm glad that our pie bet did not extend to historic. Okay. Uh, because uh, Seagate Stormcaller combos off in Historic. Yeah, it's going to combo off in Pioneer. You forgot a little card called Neoform. Well, uh, it does not combo off in Pioneer to Lethal because it there's no dual caster mage eh. in uh, Pioneer. Don't, that's don't the combo. matter. The combo don't for matter. you don't know, you play your Steamgate, Steamgate Storm... Oh, yeah? Don't matter. It don't matter? Okay. Well, you got Standard and you got Pioneer... But you can't play it in historic with dual caster mage. So. I've got I've got a uh, ringer. I get to breathe easy for another Ed's, night. Ed's got my back. I've got a ringer in the pocket. Oh man! Finish Ed. the combo, but you didn't you didn't get to uh, finish it. Oh, so you neo you, you play this card mm-hmm. and then you cast neoform, which will get copied. Right. Uh, any card we're sacrificing is the cost. The copies will have the same paid already cost. Sure. Uh, so you let the first copy of Neoform resolve, which will let you get any three mana cost creature from your deck and put it mm-hmm. into play with a one one counter. Uh, so you get Dual Caster Mage, which is a three mana two two wizard mm-hmm. who says when he comes into play, you can copy a spell that you right. control. So the second copy of Neoform will be there on the stack, already rare and to go to get another three drop. So you copy that and you proceed to get uh, every single one of your Dual Caster Mages, uh-huh. and then you go get the new three mana cleric or the three mana uh, copy the clone that's a land on the back oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, so you can get four of those and they all come into play as copies of dual caster mage okay uh, so now you've got eight three threes and for your last copy of neoform you get the common three mana wall that gives all your creatures haste yeah sure and just attack for eight times three damage uh, 24 go. All right. Um, nice. Any any Four other mana. cards Get before em. we yep before we do this draft? Now let's go for it. All right. Um, so I will be the representing the undisputed era. Chris, Ricky, what are your teams? I am the uh, Wishclaw Rhinos. Okay, Ricky. I am going to be representing Cobra Kai Dojo in this. Oh, right. I want to take a second to just thank Ruckman. Uh, for one, making me commissioner of this league, and two, for finding this really, really great theme music slash series of noises that are also not copyright that he is going to insert right here. Wow, Ruckman, great job finding that 
uh, series of uh, sound slash music that really hyped me up ready to go. I just feel like with the uh, Football League of America kicking off right here, we wanted to put a little bit of that into our Magic the Gathering, combine them, if you will, and do this fantasy-style draft of Zendikar cards to make our top uh, top 15, I guess, total cards from Zendikar to prime you guys up, to get you as excited about football as you are about Magic the Gathering cards. Now, Chris, what person. is football? What? What is football? Can you remind me? Uh, it's the sport where, uh, especially if you're the team from Dallas, three of your starters get injured in the first half of the very first game and you don't get a team anymore. Uh, okay. All right. That's I'm ready. Uh, I also want to apologize. Chris just requested a cacophonous amount of noises. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed the band warming up <laughs> sound effects I just added there. All right. Uh, our first, <laughs> yeah, first pick goes to... Give me the draft order. What's the draft order? Uh, it's going to be Ricky, me, you. Okay, and we're snake drafting. We're going to snake it. All, All right. right. Cobra Kai, your first pick. You're on the clock. I was planning on taking the first pick. I, I'm ready. I've got some great sleepers later when the snake comes back around, mm-hmm. but I'm going to start this off right, and we're going to we're gonna welcome Turn Timber Symbiosis to my oh. side of the field. Okay, okay, gotcha. I had that on my board. I'm going to delete that off. All right, you get, you get a few seconds to talk about Turn Timber Symbiosis. Turn Timber Symbiosis is probably the best of the flip lands in mythic uh all of them of course shock uh not shock bolt you to play them as lands uh but they're also all uh seven mana and or x spells uh that do something really big this one of course for seven mana lets us look at the top seven of our deck and put any creature into the battlefield and if it was a bad one like a land or elf it gets uh three extra one one counters on it right Uh, but we're gonna play it in a land slot because we can because who cares? It's a land, and if we have too many lands, then it's a big spell for a big guy. Uh, I think this card's insane. Uh, the The color that can utilize excess mana the best is definitely green, and this is exactly what a green deck wants to be doing. So sure. uh, I think this is a winner all around here. Fair enough. All right, Ruckman, you're on the clock. I'm going to take a play out of the Chappelle Show playbook here. And for the first round draft mm-hmm. pick, the Undisputed Era, we'll take Brushfire Elemental, Akum Hellhound, and Skyclave Pickaxe. We're taking all of Green Red Landfall. <laughs> We're nice. taking the whole Wu Tang clan here. Um, so, Commissioner, so is that allowed? Yeah, he can take the whole Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can take those. Uh, so this, I mean, I look, I've been trying to sling just red, green, aggressive decks all day. And the big problem is when you flood out hard. And what does this deck do? Does it care if you flood out hard? Brushfire Elemental, I was a little iffy on it. Uh, it's the one, one for two that you're probably not going to get a landfall trigger the turn you play it right. But it gets around that by not being blocked by creatures of power two or less. And it gets plus two, plus two on landfall. Uh, the pickaxe is just going to make any creature you have, and even a non-landfall creature, get the benefit of landfall. And Akuma Hellhound is just Step Links 2.0. What more do you want? Look, this is going to push cards that I've been loving, like a Tarkus Command, like Galea, back into the forefront. And don't forget about your friend Embercleave. Nice. Amazing. Well, that wasn't on my board, so I'm excited about this. So I've got picks three and four. I'm going to put myself on the clock four. We've got some We've got some tough choices here. Um, I'm going to take off the board for my third pick uh, overall in the 2020 Zendikar Football League draft. I am going to go ahead, and I guess it doesn't matter the order. I'm going to take Nighthawk Scavenger as my number three pick, okay? Um, or as we called this earlier, what do we call this? New Goyf. Yeah, yeah. What's the vampire? Oh, we called it Vampire Goifhawk is what I called this card. Vampire Goifhawk. Uh, again, it gets bigger. Three mana, three, three flyers are already fly- fine. They've been played. Four mana, four, four flyers in blue honestly have not had their opportunity to shine. But anything that's got the same cost as it does power and toughness with evasion is is already oh fine. It's already decent. And this is going to get there very quickly, but it's also got lifelink. Uh, and what other abilities does it have? I got to scroll up to my draft board here. Um, anybody want to help flying me? A death, does it have like flying and death touch? It's got it's flying, like death, touch, flying life death touch, lifelink. That's what it's got. Mm-hmm. And then it's got the Goyf ability. So obviously just a great card. I think it's got double black, which is going to help its um, cost for devotion. So yeah, I love it. So for my fourth pick, since we're snaking, I am also going to go ahead and snag Luminarch Aspirant off the board uh, right now. 
because I think that card has a lot of play in our um, green-white counters deck. So we've been talking about that for weeks, and I'm happy to get it this uh, at this point in the draft, to be honest with you guys. Well, I'm... I'm a little disappointed that I didn't get Luminarch Ascension because I was going to pick that on the speculation that one of the Innistrad sets would potentially see a Champion of Lambholt reprint because it's also a warrior. Sure. Um, so maybe we can work out a trade for that later on. All right. And that being said, Ruckman, it's back to you since we're sneaking. <sighs> back to me. Back to me. Mm-hmm-hmm. So this is another – so I'm not going for straight power here. I'm going for like just possibilities here. And where I see possibility, yeah, where I see where I see we can start, we can get them in a good system, get them with a with a veteran player here, and just build them up. And I see Null Priest of Oblivion, which is of course our two one Menace Life Linker for two. That's a vampire cleric that you kick it for three and a black. When it's kicked, it gets a creature back from the graveyard to the battlefield. We don't see a lot of true dedicated graveyard strategies just yet, because we're still a little low on the primary animation targets. But I look at this card and I see two very – one very good uh, subtype and one soon-to-be good subtype, I hope, in Vampires and Clerics. I think this card is untapped potential and could see a good amount of play given the right scenario. I like the reasoning. Right. There's your pick. Ricky, you are back on the clock. I'm back on the clock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a pretty easy one, you know? Okay. Uh, you know, we've been in the league before. And mm-hmm. he's had a good track record, and he's right. coming back as a free agent. Yep. Uh, I'm going to welcome Lotus Cobra Dang back to my it, side. That was high on my board, but I didn't think you would take it. Yep. All right. All right. Go ahead. Lotus Cobra Keep us your to the Cobra Kai. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's on um, theme. Very on theme. This is a two drop that if it is in your opening hand with a fabled passage, you are going to run away with the game if your opponent can't stop you. You go, opponent, do you have push, thought, seize, or shock? And if they say no, you say, thank you for the W. Thanks for the dubs, uh, huh? Uh, Lotus Cobra like looks a little frail. You know he's been in the he's been in the league a long time in the past. You know that you know that leg that leg looks a little weak sometimes, and you know he gets pushed around by just about everything. Right. But if he stays on the court, let me tell you, he goes hard in the paint, getting an extra mana every time we play a land. Uh, really accelerates our game plan in whatever we're doing. Uh, you can expect to see six drops down on turn like four, three, who cares? Like, just right. play this, play Azusa, then win the game. Like yep. step four we, profit. Yeah, look for Void Winnowers, or uh, what's the guy who's green, who eats a land when he comes to play? World Breaker? World Breaker, yeah. Yeah, I think we can break some worlds with Lotus Cobra. Look, I, I don't want to interrupt your picks here, but I do want to put this out there. Look, Lotus Cobra, I know the real reason you're a free agent is you tried to escape the franchise tag from the Cobra Kai Dojo in the offseason. So if you want to come <laughs> to a team that wants to treat you right, you know my number. You, you've got your number. He's got an agent. All right, Ricky, since we're snake drafting, you again, you again get to pick here. All right. Now, um, this is going to come a little bit out of left field here, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, not much has been is, seen is about Is there a left field been... position in Zendikar Football League? Uh, yes, out of left field. Okay, gotcha. Uh, All right, you know, yeah. He he's been playing a little a little double A ball. Mm-hmm. You know, out in out in the out in Oklahoma. Right, sure. That's Not the real many scouts going out there. You know, especially with COVID right now. Sure. Uh, but I think that coveted prize is definitely a prize to covet. Okay, this early, huh? I guess it's your fourth pick, but sure. It's not my fourth pick. It's my third. Is it your third? Yeah, it's his third. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, sounds good. Uh, sounds good. So this is a five mana sorcery. Uh, that costs one less for every creature in our party. So black four, so it could cost us just black. It is a tutor for any card. Uh, so very easily, uh, even if we cannot party this card, it can very easily become a grim tutor with no back, like no life pay. Yep. Uh, often, I think, if you're going to be playing this in aggro decks that are going to be trying to party up, right. uh, this is often going to just be a demonic tutor. Um, it has more text than that. Can you read oh, the rest of the card? It does have more text. <laughs> if we have full party, we can cast a spell with CMC four or less from our hand without paying for it, which means we can tutor up Winota for one black mana and put her into play. Oh. If we have full party. And I've been working on this in standard, but there's too many humans that Winota just does not matter um, in the party deck. But I do think a Mardu party deck is going to show up in Pioneer 
you heard me, party in Pioneer if this card fetching uh, Winota can do it. Like, uh, like we just get Winota and we win, right? That's how it goes. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, um, all right. That's, like I said, high, high pick for your, for your, I guess you being your third. That, that seems a little high, but all right, we'll, we'll, we'll let it go. Ruckman, it is again your turn. Look, Ricky's trying to shove out the turn timber symbiosis is the best of the mythic land cycle. Well, I think a deck that really wants to play this kind of card and get value out of both sides is going to be a control deck. And what they're going to want is to slam a Marius call as yeah. a win con. Excellent. It pick. puts eight yep. power on the board for seven, or it's a land if you need to start setting up for a later turn. I think this card as like a two of is totally primed to see play. And I think, you know, it doesn't even have, the part doesn't even have to go the right way with this card to see play. If you're playing like blue white control, if you're playing like Esper stuff, just even a one of this card is going to be fine. It's not going to take up as, as big of a slot as you think it's going to take. Yeah, totally, totally fair. Um, that was like probably my top card remaining. What were we saying, Ricky? I mean, you just play it like a land. Yeah. That's a versatile triple threat over there, you know? I am going to get in on this action with the spell lands. I feel like we should each have one. That way we're, we're in good shape. And I am going to take Agadim's Awakening uh, as mine. Nobody's taking that yet, right? No, no, you're good. I was pretty sure they had. So, all right, I'm going to take Agadim's Awakening. I don't think the card needs a lot of um, explaining as to why the card's good, but it's triple black X. Return from your graveyard to the battlefield. Any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost X or less. So um, the fact that this is also a land, I think is huge. Um, there's already all kinds of kind of big decks going around. Triple black's definitely, you know, something, but uh, black is the color that wants to get things out of its graveyard. So I am extremely happy with this pick this late. I think this is a, a huge value for me. And I would like to thank the Academy. And that is, that is all for that one. Um, okay. We're snake drafting. So my next one, I am going to take uh, scourge of the Skyclaves. This is your last pick. No, this is my fourth pick. Okay. You're right. Uh, Scourge of the Skyclaves, some people, namely our own Ruckman, thought that uh, it counted just the the lowest, but it's both players. I still think this card's insane, especially on like a Recto-style no, deck. No, I, I, st- I still do. do. I, I'm less convinced. Are you? Do you want to take more of my draft time? To no, 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 no. I, you could go, and then I'll say what I was going <laughs> to say. I'm messing with you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, uh, I was making a little joke there, but I think, I think, you know, I, I think this card is insane. I don't think you're going to often kick it, but Hey, if you do, hopefully it's finishing the game, um, dealing it, you know, hopefully at least the five points or more. If it's not, you probably don't want to kick it anyway, cause it's just going to be a huge creature, but in the style of decks that, you know, are going to play aggressive and they're also going to be playing Thoughtseize. So I just feel like this card does a lot in that style of deck and a card that I'm very excited to pick up this late because I definitely could see this card going a long way. Go ahead, I, was just gonna, I was just going to say that, yeah, I misread that, but I do think you still want to sui yourself a little mm-hmm. bit down just so you can get max value out of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I was going to say. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I think the card isn't probably in like the top five of the set. It might be close just because, again, it, it does take a very specific kind of deck. But I think the deck that does want it, it's going to slot in very well in is at least my current thought on it. So, yeah, very, very happy about this. Um, OK, so I picked twice. So, again, it's Ruckman. Ruckman's turn again. Uh, my pick. So, all right. I've already thrown down some landfall. and But I, I didn't include this guy in my my initial landfall aggro pickup because I think this guy's a little more special case. I want to go with Morog Fury of Akum. He's coming off some fresh kicks. He's got probably one of the best Zendikar alt arts. And of course mm-hmm. he's the six, six for four red, red. Each creature you control gets plus one plus over each time as attack this turn landfall. You get an extra combat as long as it entered on your main phase. So unfortunately that means we don't get the combo off of just going infinite off of Uro triggers. Yeah. But what? if we find a way to get a couple lands and play in our first main phase, heck, even our second main phase, if we can draw some cards in our um, in combat for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can just keep combat rolling and our creatures are going to get bigger. And, you know, Pioneer isn't shy on fast mana. This guy is no. going to come down a lot earlier than you think. And I think it's just going to come down to a case of, again, if this finds a home, it's going to do things. 
I think that's a sick value pick that was on my board as well. I think that it does a lot, right? Like each creature gets plus one plus oh, so it just already gives your creatures plus one plus oh. What did you see the power and toughness on this was? It's a six six. Yeah, okay, six. I thought I heard you say four four, and I was like, this thing is a six six for sure. Um, no. It's legendary. It's huge. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a, an amazing pick by you, a great value, and was also on my board. Um, all right, Ricky, it's your turn. You get to pick your last two. All right, we're gonna start this off with a pick that everybody saw coming. Yeah, but uh, you know. Ruckman likes to take it the whole Wu-Tang clan. Right. But I just want Beyonce. I'm not taking all of Destiny's Child, right? Okay, okay, sure, sure. And uh, Crag Crown Pathway and Branch Loft Pathway are the only two of the six flip lands I want on my team. All right, I I will allow it. Coincidentally, the two that I picked in our initial talks about this. (laughs) Hey, he's drafting them. He took them from you. I left you the other four. Those are the only two I wanted to talk about for specific reasons. Look, so why don't you just read the notes that I gave you Go to you the all. coaches' meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'd like to, uh, uh, administrator, I'd like to uh, to uh, offer a trade. Oh, we've got a trade. We've got a trade offer. Okay, hold on. I will start the clock on the, yeah, I'm offer I, your trade. I'd like to offer up this draft pick. Okay. For a first round draft pick for the Viking set. Oh, okay. Is that an open offer to, are you calling the other teams? You got yourself a gosh darn deal. <laughs> All right. Ruckman, Ruckman snapping it Take up. it away. All right. So essentially these two lands, uh, what I, the reason why I pick these two specifically is they're the allied lands that I think they really matter on. So we get three and three, we get three allied, three enemy. You know, we also have the blue-black one, but the blue-black decks aren't really interested in a lot of fast, early untapped, like, multicolored mana. But I think if you look at the Slesney decks and the Gruul decks, and another card that would have been sweet here, which we didn't get, hopefully we'll get it in one of the other two sets coming, one of the other sets coming out, which they're said we're all going to get modal double-faced cards in them, would be the Rakdos one. So really, these these are the two, like, the three color sets, especially these two in this set, that don't have a fast land, that don't have a pain land, that really are going to care about the early plays and having their colors have access to. And right now, they're just relying on the shadows over in Ashad Show Me lands. They're worrying about having any of those other, like the Tango lands, whatever you want to call them, from Battle for Zendikar. You have the Cycling lands. These are cards that let you uh, come into play. You get either color of your mana, but they aren't free, right? You have to think about You have to know your deck. You know, if you're going to play the the red green one as a mountain early on, you know, how many more green sources do you have? There, they, there is a little thought involved and they're not just entirely free rolls, but they're a step in the right direction for these Celestian gruel mana bases until we hopefully get the rest of the, the pain lands and the fast lands. Yeah, I am. I am uh, excited about that pick. That's a great pick by you. I wish that we had seen these cards earlier. In my opinion, dual lands should have worked like this for a long time. And thing two, I am just blown away that we just got this insane trade of a you know late third fourth round pick for a first round pick but hey when you get the player you want there right and they just meet all the descriptions all of the qualifications that you want sometimes it's going to be worth it you know what i'm saying so ricky gets a first round pick out of his uh third round pick because of the player he picked up i'm gonna clap it up that was brilliant that was brilliant thank you thank you ricky played it well i played it well you did you've Uh, got another pick this is your uh, last one my other coaches are looking at me crazy already because I've gone way off the notes that I sent to the to the coaches' meeting. Because mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought we were talking about standard. Because I've been thinking about arena all day. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so all the notes I made uh, are for decks I want to build in standard. Sure. sure. Uh, so I do apologize. No, that's okay. That this, you can draft for whatever meeting. you want. It's your team. Uh, but my last card that I am drafting is uh, actually a card I think is uh, better Dang than it. people are giving it credit for. Okay. I'm and ready. that is Shatter Skull Smashing. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm ready. Everybody's out here uh-huh. looking at, they, they look at, oh, wow. Do you see the jump shot on turn timber symbiosis? And like, man, Amiria's call can shoot threes for days, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, man, he doesn't look like much, but let me tell you that Agadim's awakening, like he's got that it's a hell of a shortstop. Star. Hell of a shortstop. Yeah, exactly. Unmistakable star quality. But Shatter Skull Smashing over here is not Seagate Restoration. It is not a garbage fire. This card is a land in your aggro decks 
but it's also a burn spell to get through blockers. Like, you don't always need to get through blockers when you're playing the aggro deck. People are concerned this doesn't go to face. But, like, blockers prevent you from getting to face anyway. So we're playing a creature aggro deck. This is not going in a burn aggro deck, uh, like the prowess-based decks. But in, like, a red-green stompy deck uh, where you can pay the life and play the land if you need it. Uh, but also just get two annoying blockers just out of the way for a decent mana cost. I think, like, four mana, killing two blockers, five mana... Killing two blockers, swinging in with your team, and that's the game. And they were like, wow, I made two blockers, and I thought I had you, but not enough, right? Sure. Um, I think this card is way better than it looks, because I think it looks bad. Uh, you also don't have to target two creatures. Right. Um, and you divide it as you choose, so it's not like weird fireball. So you can just, like, one to the token and two to the woe strider, you know? Mm-hmm. This card... Uh, Looks like it's on the level of Seagate Restoration, which is like a commander-only card. Uh, but I think Shatter Skull Smashing is way better. Totally fair. Totally fair. Uh, all right, Ruckman, it is up to you. What what pick is this for you, Ruckman, for? This this is my last pick. Okay, gotcha. This is your last one. Oh, man, man, man. Uh, let me look here. Uh, what do I have left? There's a lot of good ones on the board because Ricky went a different direction. There's a lot of good yeah, ones. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the problem. Okay, so this is a card... I think could end up just being a sideboard card. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's an effect we haven't seen in a little while. Okay. Skyclave Apparition. Skyclave. One white, white, two, two core spirit. Oh. When it enters the battlefield, exile to one target, non land, non token permanent, you don't control with CMC four or less. When it leaves the bat, that's a period. Mm-hmm. Right. Space or enters. Yeah. Yes. Capital W, when Skyclave Apparition leaves the battlefield, Exile Cards owner creates an XX Blue Illusion creature token where X is the converted mana cost of the Exiled card. So, do you see something different there in how that card's worded? Ruckman, explain to the players who have not played in a while, since we haven't seen this effect in a while, why that's relevant. So, how we're used to it now is they're all part of one clause. So, if the creature dies while it's exiling something... It never leaves the battlefield, right? Because that's part of the same trigger, and so it's like a, the the trigger never happened, right? So your your deputy intentions, right? If you kill it with the trigger on the stack, your thing doesn't go anywhere. But with Skyclave Apparition, you know, it has what we call the Oblivion Ring effect, uh, also seen in a in a creature version more commonly with Fiend Hunter, where as two separate triggers, if you I don't know have like a woe strider in play and sacrifice it with the first trigger on the stack, well then that means the comeback trigger comes and goes on the stack before the le- the first trigger where it exiles something even resolves. So if that happens, they don't get a thing back because they didn't have anything in the exile. But then that first trigger resolves, and now their card's just gone forever. Yep. Yep. Um, also, you know, hey. We, we've been messing a little bit with um, – who's the guy – what's the Blink card from the, Eldra- the Blink Eldrazi? Eldrazi Displacer? Eldrazi Displacer does the same thing. Mm-hmm. We, we, we displace this guy with the trigger on the stack. We can just exile a bunch of stuff at the same time. This card right. is untapped potential just because it has the old school wording and not what we're used to now. Right. Uh, another interesting thing you could do with this is just when it comes into play, just immediately sack it. That's what I'm saying with like a woe strike yep. type effect, right? Yep, exactly right. Yep, uh, sacking it's a good one. So, uh, solid last pick. All right, so I am bringing up the rear here, and I've got a lot of powerhouses on the board. I don't know what we want to do with our the rest of our picks. Maybe save them for the Patreon. Maybe throw them in the Discord. But I am just going to go ahead and take it off the board right here with Scale the Heights, which nobody has taken yet. Um, that is got to be the best common in the set, um, and it beats a lot of the rares in my opinion. It's just the uncommon green. Um, Grow Spiral or Mini Uro, whatever whatever you want to call it. But um, it's a three mana sorcery. And when you cast, you put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature. And you gain two life. And you can play an additional land this turn. And you draw a card. Was that enough things for you guys? Was I, that an acceptable, I need one more. Was that an acceptable power level for the three mana sorcery that you got to play? It's just really waiting for Uro to have a career ending injury. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the the Andy Dalton to the Dak Prescott, if you will, of uh, of Uro, and I think this card is is prime there. So 
yeah, that'll be my last pick. I don't think it needs a ton of explanation with all the stuff that it does. I don't know how often the plus one plus one counter is going to be relevant, but the rest of it, it, it just feels like it has to be. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's too much of that effect, but with gross spiral leaving, it feels like it's got to be leaving standard. It's got to be somewhere. And again, if you don't want to play blue for some reason, if you're looking to play another deck, maybe like a green red for like a Valakut style type strategy there, you know, something in that world, right? Where you want to be red green. I think scale the heights is a, is a good replacement. So, all right. So, all so right. A quick and run. And this concludes. All right. I was going to give a quick run yeah, on the sticks to remind everyone at home. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So my, my roster mm-hmm. is I have the, the Wu-Tang Clan and Brushfire Elemental, Akuma Hellhound, Skyclave Pickaxe. Mm-hmm. I have Null Priest of Oblivion. I have Emeria's Call. I have Morog, Fury of Akum. Trading for Ricky's fourth pick for my first round pick next season, I got Branch Loft and Boulder Loft mm-hmm. pathway along with Crag Crown and Timber Crown pathway. And then my fifth pick was Skyclave Apparition. All right. I got Luminarch Aspirant, Nighthawk Scavenger, Agadim Awakening, Scourge of the Skyclaves, and Scale the Heights. Well, you know, the Cobra Kai isn't a rebuilding season right now. Right, uh, I understand. But we did pick up some great all-stars to keep the fans happy right. uh, while we rebuild. Keep the jersey we picked, selling. We, we picked up Turn Timber Symbiosis. He's just going to be a great, great first baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shatter Skull Smashing sits out there in the outfield. He, he makes big swings, and that's what we want, uh, you know, here at our, at our stadium here. Uh, we picked up Coveted Prize. That's going to uh, shoot your threes, really, you know what I'm saying? He's just going to be sitting in the backcourt shooting threes all day. He's just really like, you know, you, you didn't you didn't go out to Oklahoma. You didn't see him playing on his high school field, man. Uh, the kid just looks like a dream. Like, all the fans love him. Uh, and then we traded uh, our fourth pick for the first round pick in the next draft. Right. And uh, ended up picking up... What did I pick up? <laughs> <laughs> Ricky is the Cleveland Browns <laughs> Of the Zendikar football league. He, he forgot the goalie he picked up. I picked up something else. <laughs> right, right. What did I pick up? Oh, my gosh. I'll let you redraft. Oh, I Have got a... Lotus Cobra. That's right. Uh, you yeah, know, Lotus Cobra was he, higher. Yeah. He's still, you know, we put him down in sports medicine. You know, he's a little weak on the ground. <laughs> right. He's on the IR so, right now. You know, we got him in the Whirlpool right now. He's the seven-day disabled He'll be bliss. ready by opening day. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know. I just, I, I honestly couldn't believe that we picked that he came back from retirement. Honestly, I'm still in shock at that. That's why I forgot. Not yeah. because I'm a bad podcaster, of <laughs> right? Nothing to do with our skill there. Everything to do with the fact that uh, he had an interesting off season. He had some personal problems. All right. So because the format's changing a lot, uh, let's do something different for does it slap, Chris? What do you, what do you think we should see what slapped this week? Let's decide whether or not the. Mythic Invitational coverage slapped this week. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce a Does It Slap. All right, so Chris, you said it, man. I, I feel like, you know, you're going to have the most opinions. You brought, you thought of it. Let's, uh, let's start with you. How do you, you want to discuss the Pro Tour coverage this week? Or sorry, let me, the Mythic Invitational coverage. Let me start out with the rating. I am going to give that uh, a 10 on the scale of a zero to a hundred of just like a personality rating. Like, um, I don't know where to start, but that was some next level garbage that I saw this past weekend. And I get that there's a lot going on, but this is a company that's been around forever. This is a company that has air magic to gathering cards. Hold on, hold on. Before, yeah. before we, before we say personalities, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't on the, this isn't on the, the, the commentators, right? This is about the presentation of the, you nailed it. Yeah. I, I okay. actually, I, I want to clarify that when you said the personalities. Yeah, actually. Um, yeah, for sure. We, we can even change that if you want to do, but like, cause my, my point there is like the people that they had on, I actually loved, like I love day nine. Uh, I love Maria. I don't, really no work here about the other two people that were on there, but they were okay. And this is a company. My whole point was that like they have aired magic, the gathering on ESPN, right? Like this is a company that should have broadcasting from like, they broadcast from crappy conventions. All of it was bad. They had like nudie ads popping up in the middle of play. Um, coverage was like constantly interrupted. They couldn't even finish coverage. They had to record it, which was fine, but I wish they would have done that anyway, because then we wouldn't have had to watch 50 minutes of just 
mind-numbing intermittent magic stuff in between actual matches of magic. Like, it was just the worst coverage I have seen in a very, very long time. And this is the first, I guess I'm going to now revise my thing and just give it a zero. Because we've never given anything a zero or a really low rating before. So here's our first zero for it doesn't slap. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't, I didn't have a chance. I was pretty busy this weekend to like watch it all myself. I just sort of saw the bad highlights of it. Um, unfortunate mm-hmm. as they were, of course, there were several memes and things that had to come out of it. Uh, and I did want to be clear that like, hey, you know, the casting people were a good selection. They're a good lot, even though, you know, I was, I'm not really familiar with Riley and some of the other people on there. Uh, right. But I think I think the coverage people, the personalities they got to come in were great choices. But I think the production part of it was where it, it sort of fell apart. And I don't want to say – I kind of want to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Yeah, go for it. Um, and that, you know, this does happen to other groups. And I do want to put some, you know, uh, this is COVID as well, you know, sort of help make this happen, uh, sort of be the way it was. Um, but you know, I think next time, you know, this is me sort of thinking about how it was being done. My guess is this was someone at their home using their apartment in Seattle, Mm -hmm. you know, who know they were using that connection to try and upload and stream this big thing with multiple streams coming in and on top of everything else going on where, you know, they, they, what they should have done, maybe we don't know exactly how it happened, how it was produced. I think you could have easily had like a four, five, three man skeleton crew at the office actually handling the upload and production side in a safe manner. That way you don't run into the upload issues that the the main office had. And again, you know, the, the, the West Coast is running into a lot of issues right now with the wildfires and things like that. So that could have impacted the upload and broadcast ability of – the the top eight especially so i do sort of want to devil's advocate that and say like things do happen like someone pointed out you know when starcraft was first starting um they restarted just hour long going on matches right but you are right this is a major company you know this isn't their first rodeo in this but also at the same time right you know um Remember when they had to get crowdfunding to get GP coverage going? Yeah. But that's that's GP coverage, and that's a third – GP coverage is kind of weird, like a third-party right, whereas the Pro Tour and Worlds were Watsy themselves doing it. Um, you know, I think, hey, Star City does a great job with their coverage. Why didn't – why don't you tap them to do it next time, guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruckman and Ricky, what are your slap ratings? And then I want to give a final thought on it. I, I just want to uh, – just a quick moment aside. I watch a lot of like – fighting game coverage right and like early melee coverage is like probably just some of the worst coverage ever i just like to say like the people actually commentating on the games are great Mm -hmm. i love that i love the magic i want to watch magic it's really hard for you to talk over a game of magic and make me like magic less sure um but there wasn't a lot of magic no uh which is weird because they're playing more magic than ever and I, i i love little cute little like enter the battlefield a uh, little mini docks in the middle of in between matches or when uh you know uh someone has to go to the bathroom and and rethink their entire life in the middle of the pro tour finals uh sure. but uh i just like uh, technical difficulties aside and like the coverage team was great just like there's just too much nothing in the middle of all of it that was just so boring and so unwatchable and i just have to slap rate this for the lowest hanging fruit ever uh, which is I'm going to give this a six out of nine. Uh, always buy the singles in your area, never buy the boxes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was truly amazing. Uh, Ruckman, do you have a true rating you want to give it? Uh, I'm going to give this a uh, one out of one LSV burrito because that was the best part of the coverage <laughs> from what I saw. Uh, so shout out to LSV yeah, for I'm going to give it sweet the... sweet burrito. Uh, I'm and I, and I do I want to be clear though again uh, coverage. The, the people commentating, awesome job. The production, look, you, you already had Guy Peengate on, on a league a while ago. Right. Um, right. Why wasn't Seth Mansfield streaming his application directly instead of his desktop? That's the only way that, that pop-up happened as he was streaming his desktop and not the application. But also, you know, hey, maybe incognito mode next time to keep those pop-ups from happening on your main browser. 
yeah, I, I don't know what the deal with uh, with that was. The I, I would rate this broadcast the final product of when LSV ate that burrito, like you know, like twenty four hours later. That's that's what I would rate it. That's how bad that it was because uh, I watched the first half and then just quit. But like my my final point on this is just that like most other companies, most other brands spend a lot of their money into their marketing for presenting their product in times like this. It's kind of almost like one of the true forms of advertisement, right? Like League of Legends loses tons of money, but the production looks so good, right? It doesn't have to be that level. You know, League of Legends is, is the highest grossing game in the world, at least video game that I'm aware of right now. But even like Rocket League, just the game looks good. So they had, you know, they kept it simple and that's how they made it consistent. So like a lot of these other games put a lot of money into their championships, into their professional tournaments, into their whatever you want to call it, in order to have a nice looking product. And this was the opposite of that. This looked like it had been stripped down. They had removed everything. Now the wildfires is something else. And I hadn't thought about that, but I I didn't hear that as an excuse, but I was extremely disappointed given the other coverage that I've seen in the past. It's just very clear how much has been min-maxed in the production element. Where did that $2 million that got taken out of price support go into? Because it clearly wasn't in the production. That, and that's my whole point, right? Like, that's why I'm so upset. It's just like every other company spends so much on this and it used to look so good. And it's just like they've stripped down so much of the pro scene to, you know, obviously try and put that back into profits. And that's fine. Everybody's everybody's trying to do it. But again, most places, they make their professional tournaments, their loss leaders. And I saw a total lack of that here. That, that to me looked like fan content is what it looked like, you know, from personalities who clearly loved the game and were excited about it. And that's just all I have to say on that. So. Uh, this is going to be ha- my Can you get pa- my and Sullivan back on coverage. Oh my gosh, please! Look at that. like the commentary crew they had there was great, but how how hard would it have been to ask Seti P and Patrick Sullivan to get in there? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, not not that the 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 commentary crew they had wasn't bad. Wasn't yeah. was wasn't Cedric, good. Right, Cedric was in there. Cedric uh, was doing commentary. So, oh, was he? Okay, like yeah. I said, I didn't have a lot of chance to watch it. So. Yeah, Cedric did commentary, which is what honestly saved the broadcast. When he was doing it, he was doing great as far as the play-by-play. The play-by-play was fine. It was the the rest of it, the in-betweens. And again, sometimes sure. they just get too off track, where it's like, you know, I get it, there's match being played, but it's just like, sometimes it's just it's just too cutesy or whatever, so yeah. I'm also going to paper boomer here for a second and just say that I am someone who I am casually interested in the FGC, right? Like, I don't have the time to put into getting good at the FGC, but I enjoy experiencing and watching the FGC and I'll play pickup games when my friends are trying to learn their characters and combos, right? And just get stomped on. Um, but can we leave double elimination for fighting games? I don't know. Part of me just doesn't like double elimination outside of fighting games and things like that. It just, we're so used to magic being one way and things like that. I, I just feel like that's, this is my paper boomer moment of just, let's go back to just regular top eights. I don't like the double, the limb for, for magic cards. Um, also I get the games that go this way and have to be digital just cause that's the hot new thing. That's e- we got to the esports right? But you lose a lot of the personality of magic being a card game. You know, you, you talk about LSV, right? Remember LSV picking up that, that, uh, Adonto, the first fort token and just making it look like he's going to attack and make a token and his opponent took it from him and was acting like he was blocking with it. Right. And then LSV got the, the cell wreckage blowouts. You don't get that in digital you know the best you can kind of do is try to oops your opponent when you attack all out or just hover over a single card a bunch it's just not the same you're no. never going to get that nasif uh yeah. moving his lands and saying right. this is my ultimatum mana right yeah off the top like that yep that's not going to happen anymore with the arena which really does suck and like honestly if you try to style like oopsing your opponent and stuff like that everybody's just going to be like, what is scumbag now? Yeah, there's yeah, there's no true. smiling like face to back up that. Right. Like it's less personal, but then yeah. that's just the COVID world. But I ultimately, I still agree with you guys. So, all right, well, that was our doesn't slap for this week. Then unless you guys have any final thoughts. Nope. 10 out of 10 commentary team. I'm going to give like, I'm going to, I'm not going to totally poo poo on it. I think there are some easy uh, things that could have been fixed. And I hope this is a learning experience for them. And the next one, if it has to go this way, is improved upon. So I'm going to give them like a four out of ten. And, you know, if they don't improve on what happened this weekend, it's going to be lower the next time. Yeah, fair enough. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me this week. Thank you all for listening. You can find us, uh, me running our our main Twitter account at Crew3Podcast. You can find Chris over at... It's underscore Christmas. Christmas has no T. You can find Ricky at. At also Steve. 
And again, if you want to support the show, please go ahead to patreon.com slash crew3mtg. We appreciate it a lot. And of course, if you haven't already, join our Discord. That's totally free. Yeah, we have free events. We run almost weekly, um, the monthly whatever, and then sometimes occasionally, and we're now running our companion app tournaments that are lots of fun. You can talk to real players who are also really cool and have fun playing if you miss playing with people again. All right. Well, that was a good one. I enjoyed this draft. We'll have to do this again next time. And look for look for our official sort of combined top five list, probably going up on our YouTube, hopefully within the next week or so. Uh, that'll sort of kick start back being on the YouTube again. Uh, finally, for real this time, I promise. Right. Hashtag, <laughs> we'll hashtag ta- soon, TM. We'll, we'll talk to you all guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.